Welcome to episode 18, Airplane Movies. On this episode, Johnny and Eddie discuss airplane movies. Johnny shares one of the first films depicting a plane and its passengers in distress from the 1950s. Eddie mentions the four crazy airport movies that were released during the 70s. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage. Take a seat and put up your feet because we're talking movies. Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn. And I'm Eddie Klieg, and we're Talking Movies. Normally at this time, Eddie, I do some kind of fill-in or introduction, but uh, I don't want to kind of spoil the party, so I'm going to go right ahead so we can get this uh, show on the road and ask you the question, where are we going today, Eddie? Well, Johnny, today we're talking airplane movies. Airplane movies. Okay. What that means, folks, is that we are going to be talking about films where the passengers are in distress, the plane is in distress, it's troubled, something went wrong with it, or the airplane and events that occur or start on the airplane are central to the story. It'll become pretty self-evident, I think, as we go along. But I'm going to provide a little bit of background, particularly on those uh, films that relate to where the airplane is in trouble and the passengers are endangered. And one of the first films, which was based on a book, to explore the crippled, what I would call the crippled airplane with passengers on board drama, was really The High and the Mighty with John Wayne back in 1954. They, they had airplanes back then? They did, but oh. this was a prop plane. This was before the jets. This oh. is before the jets, okay. which is another reason that once the jet came in, I think we got more into these dramas because they were bigger planes. They could go faster, higher, whatever. Anyway, it's a flight from Hawaii. Uh, actually, here, uh, Wayne is the co-pilot, and Robert Stack is the pilot. But he starts losing his nerve when they have engine trouble. Wayne takes charge, as you would expect. And as they prepare for a crash landing, the passengers reassess their lives. This became literally the template, I would say, for disaster movies, and this has an Oscar-winning score, and it's a cast list that reads like a who's who from 1950 films. Now, the genre had a couple of other films built on this theme shortly thereafter, one being Zero Hour, and this will become significant later, 1957, with Dana Andrews as a military pilot named, wait for it, Ted Stryker. And he's forced to take the controls after the pilot, who was really real-life football star Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, who played for the Rams at that time, he's sickened by food, and Sterling Hayden, that old actor, assists him in landing from his position down in the control tower. This became fodder, of course, for a comedic or comedy send-up that we're going to talk about a little later. And then came the Crowded Sky again. This was 1960 with Dana Andrews flying a commercial jet this time. Which, hit in it, which is hit in midair by a Navy jet flown by Ephraim Zimbos Jr., and the drama is in getting the plane down safely. This theme is revisited in a film that we're going to kind of comment on in a series that developed. There are other airplane-themed films that came about, Skyjacked, and of course Castaway, Die Hard 2, Hero, Turbulence, and a few of Eddie's selections. But after 9-11, the reality became too real. Only United 93 by Paul Greengrass, which, of course, depicted the actual events of that day on the plane that crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, was filmed until, more recently, Flight 
which I will talk about, and Nonstop, which Eddie's going to visit, uh, kind of regenerated the genre. So there's a little background. You want to go first or you want me to start this off? I've talked already. Maybe you should take take the lead on this one, Eddie. Well, I, f I first want to start. These aren't even the movies that uh, I had picked to go over, which, yeah. which I will in a little bit. But so, you know, I'm, I'm looking online, um, looking at airplane movies. Actually, it was on my Apple TV. And it gives you a suggestion of similar movies down below. Right. And it's, I'm watching all these trailers, and then I get to this one, the, the sequence of Airport, Airport 75, Airport 77, Airport 79. I'm like, what in the heck? So <laughs> so I, I, I watched the previews for all three of these, the trailers. And uh, <laughs> they're so hokey. <laughs> I, I, the way I saw them, I mean, that's from the from the looking at the trailer. I mean, maybe w back in the day, well, that was scary. But uh, well, I didn't mention in my intro because I I wanted to drop that because you're gonna you were gonna comment on those, and I'm gonna talk about the one that started that whole ball game. But they may be hokey by standards because we're, people today are so used to the special effects and the ability of of the and we've talked about this. The technology is just so dazzling now. These what they can create literally anything and yeah. these special effects aren't as oh the miniature sitting on the ocean getting you know while somebody's paddling the little water off to the side or whatever yeah, you know, the, the, <laughs> or the string attached to the airplane in the air type of thing but i mean those those films were a little more advanced than that because those were all made in the as you said the 70s i i got a complaint because i was sitting at the kitchen table um doing my show prep, mm -hmm. and as I'm watching these things, I'm laughing out loud at how stupid they are, and all of a sudden I hear my daughter in the other room is doing her homework saying, oh, what are you yelling so much about? What are you laughing about? And, and I'm just going to touch on just a couple of things I saw in each one of these real quick. Okay. So at the airport, was, it looks like it's from a million years ago, and there's a scene <laughs> in the trailer where this guy is, um, he's sitting down in the end seat and he's going, we're gonna die, we're gonna die, we're gonna die, we're gonna, we're gonna die, we're not gonna make it, we're not gonna make it. And then right across the aisle, a guy sits up and you, you realize it's a priest, and with his right arm, he crosses himself, you know, he does his father, son, goes over holy, and then when he did the last spirit, he smacked the guy, <laughs> and then just went back down into his position. It was just, uh, it, was, it was funny. Uh, so just for, all those out there, and you might want to add to this. Um, the budget was $10 million for that movie, and it grossed $100 million. I don't even want to touch on that now. Well, I'm gonna, that, that was the first I, one I, I was going to do, because, oh, okay. and we'll, we'll go back to why your, your okay. criticism here, because, as I said... Well, let me hit these other yeah, ones real go quick. Go ahead. Okay. So then I look, and there's one called Airport 75, and I'm thinking mm -hmm. to myself, what? It was made in 1974. I thought that was funny. And on this one, there's the cockpit, and all of a sudden, there's a, in the trailer, there's a scene of a guy like having a heart attack in a, in a private plane, mm -hmm. and then it flashes to the, the cockpit of the big plane, and it looks like a, it looks like it's a TV screen, this real bad movie, and this plane comes, and then it hits the cockpit, and you know, people are screaming and all that kind of stuff, and it, it, it was crazy. <laughs> um, and I, a tidbit on that one, that film was is listed uh, among the 100 most enjoyable bad movies ever made. So that was pretty cool. The um, 
The budget for this one was $3 million. From the trailer, I saw a lot of corners that were cut, uh, and it grossed $47 million. So the next in the line is Airport 77, which was uh, filmed in 1977, released. And it has uh, Art Thieves hijack a 747. It's, it's not your normal plane with all the roads. I mean, it's a big, huge 747, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's like... Uh, you know, there are people just standing around at tables drinking. I mean, it's, you don't see any. It's like a luxury apartment almost. At the yeah, home. they used to have the bar. On, they used to have a bar up on the leopard level in those. I oh, think no. they reinstituted them some time ago. But they did away with it for putting more people in, obviously. But they used to. That was one of the big things that I don't know what that model was. It's been a long time since I saw that film. Uh, they end up in the bottom of the sea, right? It's yeah. so funny. They're in the they're in the. Bermuda t- Triangle, mm-hmm. and then this coast again. This is all in the trailer. The Coast Guard is flying down, and the guy looks looks over the 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 helicopter, looks down, and it's as if the plane is like just like five in five feet of water. And he goes, oh, "I see the plane. I see the plane." It, <laughs> it was hokey. It, it's all hokey. Uh, that the budget was six million, and it did thirty million. So it was making money. So they kept going. Mm-hmm. They did one more. Uh, Airport 79, the Concorde, which the other ones were masterpieces <laughs> compared to this one trailer-wise. You've got a Concorde with these people on it, and they're, the Concorde is dodging missiles that are being shot at it. Um, it's <laughs> it's crazy. There is one guy that's in this, um, played by George Kelly. He actually yeah. does the name of George Kelly. Yeah, George Kennedy. Kelly. He's actually in all four. He plays Kennedy, the same. Kennedy. Kennedy. George Kennedy. Oh, okay. George I, Kennedy, I the, old, the old Western actor. While well, he was a Marine, he was in Cool Hand Luke and a whole bunch of movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. George yeah. Kennedy. Yeah. He played the same character in all all four of these yeah. over the span of ten dollars. Now, this one made or this one cost fourteen million, probably because they had to borrow the Concorde for a little bit. It grossed thirteen million, so it lost a million dollars. No more airports. Well, that, again, goes back again to when you keep trying to play the same string. Eventually, it fades. Times change. People lose interest. Now, the reason that the airport series is significant, even though Eddie is a little bit jaundiced by that. This is a little bias here because I come from a different era. (laughs) So these are pretty outstanding by by our standards. But the original film, Airport 1970, was based on a book by Arthur Haley. It was a top-selling novel. And it deals... The interesting thing is Arthur Haley had written the story and helped on the screenplay for Zero Hour, that movie I talked about in 1957. This film revisited the theme of the passengers in danger just like high and the mighty and it's the first in these clones that eddie's talking about the reason being is this this had all the top stars from that era this had a little more thrilling situation because there was a passenger on board you've got that the general manager of the airport itself is burt lancaster he's got a love life issues going on and then he's got this airplane that's being threatened to blown up by a passenger van heflin who eventually does blow out the back end of the plane and endangers the plane, and Dean Martin's the pilot. He's having an affair to the distress of his wife with the, with the flight attendant, who's played by Jacqueline Bissett. So you've got all this personal stuff going on. Uh, so the people on the ground have personal issues. People in the plane are concerned, and they eventually land the plane. 
It was nominated for nine Academy Awards and won one for Best Supporting Actor Actress for the aging star Helen Hayes. Are we talking about the same airport, 1970? 1970, yes. Oh my. And it made, oh my. it came out in March of 1970. It made $100 million, and it adjusted for inflation. That's the equivalent in 2018 of $648 million because the book was very popular. This was an adaptation that people ran to. I saw it at the drive-in. So, I mean, it was like the second run type of thing. But it was a big deal because it had all these stars. So, hey, if we made that much money, let's do another one. And Charlton Heston is the hero in Airport 75. Then you had Jack right. Lemmon in, in 77 and so on and so forth. But it faded. And But 1970, Airport 70 was, a, it, again, I hate to use it. I won't say iconic because it may not have been the greatest film ever made, but it was a successful film of the time. Well... As you know, the greatest film ever made came out this fall, or this, <laughs> oh, yeah. the greatest movie ever made came out this spring called oh, Shazam. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get us <laughs> off topic. Okay, we got the airport thing out of the way. You know, they, we talk about the executives. Hey, why not just take it and beat it to death? We'll see how long it runs. Hey, I'm <laughs> as long as some fools keep coming into the theater. <laughs> <laughs> and you notice they chinced on the budget. Well, they went up on the budget because of the Concord. <laughs> anyway. You want me to go next? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Okay. So I'm going to go with one of the ones that I um, took a look at for our little review here. Executive Decision, 1996, directed by Stuart Byard, I think. Kurt Russell, Halle Berry, Steven Seagal, and Oceanic, Oceanic. Yeah, that's the airline. Uh, Oceanic Airline Flight 343 is hijacked, and the U.S. military devises a plan to get Army commandos on board the jet at 39,000 feet. Hijackers are unaware of the commandos, while the soldiers are unaware of a weapon planned to take out the eastern seaboard of the United States. The rogue unit must fight against time, and the shaky government before they blow the jet out of the sky. And, yeah, th- I mean, a lot of the movie, they want to blow that thing out of the sky, and they're mm-hmm. trying their darnest to, to get up there and, and, and talk them out of it. Um, I know Steven Seagal led the party to go up into the plane. Um, some things happen there, and really uh, Kurt Russell takes it from there and does his action stuff, I guess. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kurt Russell. You know, I don't think he's gotten enough. Well, he has more recent time here. He's, uh, he's a little more grizzled, and he's done, uh, you know, with the Horizon film about the explosion. He's, I've always liked him. And, um, he was in a Marvel movie. He's the, yeah. the father of um, Star-Lord. Yeah. But that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good film, uh, and he's trying to f- he ends up trying to land the plane, which is this big 747 again. Uh, but it's a pretty interesting little film. And if you like these kind of things, and as those of you who are listening and interested in movies, you know every movie made is not going to be Academy Award. I mean, these things are it, it made for entertainment, but they have to have some sense of realism and they have to have some sense of, can I see this happening? And do I care about the people who are trying to do what they do? And I think it works for what it is. Right. I mean, you know that going in, it's like we talked about with the Angel series or any of these other things we talk about, and we like those action films, but it's a matter of degrees. Some are great, and some are okay, and some, well, eh. so we wasted two hours. I mean, right, know, exactly. so, but I think that one's a, that's a, that's a nice little film for what it is. 
Yeah, and Halle Berry's in it. I, I believe she plays a stewardess. Is that yeah, true? she is. Okay. Um, the other thing, I, is this the, is this is the one when Donald Trump's ex-wife is in this, I think, as the other stewardess. Oh, uh, Marla, Marla. Marla Maples. Maples, okay. Yeah, I think she's in that. If I, my brain is working right. Now, originally, Halle Berry refused to play the part in the movie, but she said yes when the offer of $1 million came in. Which in 1996, <laughs> yeah, I you know. Yeah, I'd have been available for that. <laughs> it was uh, towards the beginning of her career. Yeah. David Grant is seen taking flight lessons and is about to go solo. In real life, Kurt Russell, um, who plays David Grant, I believe, mm -hmm. is an FAA licensed pilot holding ratings for several aircraft types. I didn't know that. Kurt Russell yeah, is a real a, pilot. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I know that... Uh, they made a point that he had taken lessons in the film. I, you know, the guy at the beginning, they he had lessons, but right. I didn't know how proficient he. I don't remember how proficient he was supposed to be. But that's interesting. That's very interesting. And then one last thing about this movie: it originally was developed at Paramount Pictures. The studio put the project in a turnaround and sold it to Warner Brothers in exchange for the rights and the screenplay to Forrest Gump, 1994. Executive decision was considered a hot project while Forrest Gump was going through multiple problems with the script and casting. In addition, some Warner execs were afraid that the success of Rain Man would preempt Gump due to the perceived similarities of the project's subject matter. Um, that the main stars of both those movies yep. have mental disabilities. Warner Brother made a little bit of a mistake. Anyways. Uh, that's an interesting tidbit. That's the executive decision. Again, 1996. Budget, $55 million, Grossed $122 million. Yeah, pretty successful, I'd say. For what it was, again, uh, it's entertainment. And it was a thrilling uh, a little sidebar to that, too. There is an actor who played the bad guy on there, David Suchet, who is probably most well-known for his years playing Hercule Poirot on the PBS series, as Hercule Poirot, so oh. he's very good in that. He he actually owns that. I mean, literally owns that part. I mean, anybody playing it afterwards, and they've been several on the playing these his role on in film. But he's terrific in that. I'm going to work backwards. I'm going from a more recent film to uh, more recent films. I'm going to say Flight first with his Denzel Washington. Going to make this brief because we we dealt with Denzel Washington's career several episodes ago. This, again, is a terrific film. It deals with a talented commercial airline pilot, Whip Whitaker, played by Denzel, of course, but he has problems with drugs and alcohol, and he's half flying drunk, and his plane breaks, and he has to, in order to try to save everyone on board, he ends up taking a desperate tack and turns the plane upside down was able to then rotate it back and do a crash landing. He, about half the passengers, I believe, survived. He underwent an investigation. He tried to, you know, hide the fact that he was alcohol and drug user. Uh, eventually, they have an investigation, and I won't give the spoiler away if you haven't seen it. It's well worth it. I thought there was some, again, this is a Zemeckis film, and sometimes he, I commented last time, either some of his films come out too saccharine. I think he got off on sidebars in this thing. But the supporting cast of Don Cheadle, Bruce Greenwood, and John Goodman are terrific. And Goodman, <laughs> Goodman's part, 
A couple of scenes with Goodman are worth the price of admission alone. I mean, Denzel's excellent, of course. And to borrow a little bit of Eddie here, they uh, I didn't have the budget on this one. But they did make, uh, worldwide it took in $161 million. It only took in 93 domestic. So it wasn't a successful film, I think, budget-wise, which probably wasn't very expensive to make. Uh, I'd probably put it, maybe it was in a $20 million range. They made money on this, I'm sure, because of the Denville. But anyway... I guess I just looked at the Wayback Machine, and the budget was thirty-one million. Yeah, and one sixty-one worldwide, and domestic ninety-three. So that's not, not bad. bad. Yeah. No. Okay, so the next movie I'm going with is Con Air, nineteen ninety-seven, directed by Simon West, Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich. Um, I like this movie. I, I like it. Good. I've seen it a gazillion times. It, it, some people would say, this is a trash movie. <laughs> I mean, this is when my, wa- my wife would walk out of the room when you're trying to watch it. She's seen it before. Yeah, but this is a cool scene. You know, we do this all the time. You know, I love this. Let's just watch this part here. Uh, Malkovich is at his worst bad guy. I mean, evil bad guy. He's good as the bad guy. It's so over the top, though. And Nicolas Cage... Uh, it it works for what it is. It's pretty, pretty yeah, cool movie. Actually. Definitely, and Nicholas Cage is um, plays the part of Cameron Poe, who is a highly decorated military officer, and um, he was out with his wife. I think he was, they were just he was just released. He just from, released uh, from. He just got out of the military. Service, yeah, and um, some junk drunk guys were messing around with his wife, and it was raining, and yeah. they got in a tussle, and you know he used a little bit too much oomph on one yep. punch and killed somebody. Mm. So he went into prison and counting every day. His daughter was born after or while he was in prison. So he's, you know, doing everything by the book, just waiting to get out. And he's on this Con Air flight to go home. And it just happens to be filled with a bunch of bad guys. And the worst of all bad guys, Cyrus the Virus Grissom, played by Malkovich, um, Breaks breaks out, takes over the plane. There's this whole story, but the, the it's hard though. Looking at Nicolas Cage because he's got this long yep. hair, like yeah. But yeah. It's, it's funny. It uh, budget was seventy five million and it grossed two hundred and twenty four million. Yeah, it, and here we're talking about passengers endangered. This is a whole different concept. The, the idea of flying, which which really opened your eyes to the fact that this goes on all the time. They're transferring. Uh, you know, prisoners from place to place. Right. And these really bad guys, these are really the worst of the worst, and they take over this plane. So it's a little bit of, a little different spin on the passengers in distress in right, <laughs> the airplane. Right. But it's, it, it works. It works yeah. for what it is. Uh, I got a, cu- a couple of quick trivias on it. Yep. John Malkovich was unhappy during production because the script was being rewritten virtually every day. And he had no idea how his character was going to turn out. Yeah. And you know, he's like an actor in that way where he yeah, doesn't want to know. John Cusack allegedly disliked the film so much that he refuses to be interviewed about it. <laughs> and then finally, in preparation for the film, um, Nicolas Cage traveled to Alabama to perfect his southern accent that he does have in, in the movie. So I thought that was pretty cool. Well, you put the bunny back. If you'd have just put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little dialogue there, folks. Uh, we, we don't even explain where that comes from, but it has to do with little present he's trying to take home to his daughter. <laughs> so uh, 
Next one here, there's one more, and this was a, a terrific film. Uh, and I, we again had mentioned this before, but I have to mention because it's a great film. It's and I commented last week. I'm reading Clint Eastwood's biography. Clint Eastwood directed this. The movie, of course, is Sully, which recreates the harrowing events surrounding the successful landing of a disabled aircraft on the Hudson River, January 15, 2009. All 155 passengers survived, and that's because Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger, as portrayed by Tom Hanks, exhibits the value of experience and the ability to focus on the task at hand under unexpected and nearly unimaginable circumstances. But it's his, what he does, and one of the critical things in this, he makes a, he does a procedure that's well ahead of where he's supposed to do it, but since he had a two-engine failure, not a one-engine failure, because the, the plane was struck by geese, uh, bird strike, and uh, he had to be investigated about why he did what he did and why didn't he go here and there and so on. The bottom line is they all did their jobs and everyone survived, which is a pretty amazing thing and is portrayed uh, superbly. I have a friend who is a retired United pilot who's flown several planes. The one thing he does whenever he watches any airplane film is to make sure everything in the cockpit looks great and they don't cheat on, you know, that part of it. And he said the portrayal here was, was spot on. And he was enthralled watching the film himself. But that's, that's a terrific film. And again, we talked about Denzel in conjunction with Hanks. These are two superior actors. And Hanks can play literally anybody and anything. And he's probably going to prove that because his upcoming film is no less than Mr. Rogers. Yeah, he, he played uh, Walt Disney. He, he definitely comes. He, he, he bridges spies. He plays a real guy that, uh, you know, it, it, he's just an everyman. And that's a great, that is the greatest thing for an actor. I mean, he's not typecast. Right. You know, he can play anything. I don't think he's played a cowboy yet, though. It's, uh, <laughs> well. Did he? He's Woody. In, oh, he's Woody. In, oh, my uh, God. I, yeah. How could I? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's he played does. a cowboy. Yes. There he goes. He played everything. But it's hard sometimes when you think uh, that his, at least the first time I saw him on TV was bosom, was a Bosom Buddies. Oh, gosh, yeah, I think yes. it was. Where he, and the, <laughs> he and the other guy. Uh, Peter Rissater, uh, Sol, uh, uh He's in Honey, I Shrunk yeah. the Kid. He's, he's in a few things. Yeah. But they had to dress up like women yep. to... Uh, Get a job. Look, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> so my next one I'm going to go with is Nonstop 2014. Um, with Liam Neeson, um, Julianne Moore, Scott McNary, and Michelle Dockery from, from Downton, Downton Abbey. Abbey. Liam plays Bill Marks, a former cop dealing with his daughter's death by drinking, and he's now a federal air marshal. While on the flight from New York to London, Marks gets a text telling him that unless $150 million is transferred into an offshore account, someone will die every 20 minutes. Uh, can he find the terrorist in time and save everyone? This one is, uh, it's a pretty good suspense movie because some things are thrown in there that makes him look like he's the person, mm-hmm. uh, but he's trying to to get it all figured out and, you know, a lot of action. It, it, may, it Budget was $50 million. It grossed $222 million, so that, that was successful. Yeah, You he, saw it. You love the movie, too. Oh, I love the movie. Well, we've watched, you know, it's kind of like, and we've said this before, we like certain actors, and we watch them in everything. The most recent one, we saw Neeson in the uh, 
the remake of that Swedish uh, or Norwegian movie. Uh, oh, the, yeah, when he was the citizen of the of the year, year and he drives the uh, the snow. Th- I c- we'll have to check the Wayback Machine. That the title is is slipping away right at the moment. But the point is, we've watched him the Taken series. I've seen every one of those. I don't know how many times he's had a whole new. Ever since his, un- unfortunately, since his wife died in that result of that accident out in skiing. Ski. Right? Yeah, she hurt it, fell and hit her head, and then she had a. Uh, it, it, she died, uh, unfortunately. And unexpectedly, since that he's rebuilt his entire career on all these action films. He's got another one he's p- plotting out now, but Taken is pretty good. I kept saying, if I'm sitting in that plane, am I? Be- who am I believing in f- for the stuff I'm hearing? You know, you're, right. you know, he's wanting to go one way, and we're hearing things. You know, who would I believe? So, but it's pretty good. It's well worth a couple hours to take a look at it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, one interesting fact is. The set for the plane was built larger, taller than standard commercial airlines to accommodate his height. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and also he played his character is uh, what is what he's is he Irish, Scottish? Yeah, uh, he he's I think he's really Irish. I think it's Irish. He is actually this is I think they said the first film where he can use his regular accent and is actually portraying a Irish person instead of an American. Hmm. So. Hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Wayback Machine just popped up here and said, Cold Pursuit. Cold Pursuit. Is the movie that we saw. Yep, yep. That came out this year, 2019. Yeah, and it's a remake. Uh, I saw the original. If you want to go back to the original, that's pretty cool, too. Follows the same thing, except that's over there, and this one's here in Colorado. Uh, I forgot to mention, Sully, of course, was successful. I mean, uh, took in worldwide $238 million. And I know Clint Eastwood was under budget. Whatever the budget was, he came in under budget because all of his films tend to come under budget. Anyway, I'm going to talk about another one here. This is Red Eye. It's actually a fairly little film, 2005, starring Rachel McAdams. This is earlier, a little earlier in her career, but she's pretty good in it. And the bad guy is played by Cillian Murphy, the guy who played the Scarecrow character in uh, Batman Begins. He was actually, he was actually in all three of them, the yeah. whole trilogy. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah, Christopher Nolan's. Yeah, and he's and Christopher Nolan used him in Dunkirk too. He was the guy that didn't want to go back on the boat and cause that other kid to get hurt. Thing is, this guy's given me chills ever since I saw him in the Batman, and I couldn't watch when this was obviously made a little bit before. But anyway, when I saw this, the gist of it is Rachel McAdams in the wake of her grandmother's funeral. She's a hotel manager, and she's waiting to fly home. And she meets this charming guy named Jackson Ripner. <laughs> you think a little play on Jack the Ripper, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> At check-in. And he's so nice. And she thinks it's pretty lucky that they're seated together and they can chit-chat. But she soon learns otherwise because he hopes to assassinate the head of Homeland Security. And she finds out that he is also holding her, her father hostage because... She wants the key to the, a hotel room in her hotel that she manages to have the appropriate vantage point for the assassination attempt. Oh, wow. And so this thing, it, it's, it starts off, and he's a little nice, but then you, there's a creep, he's a creepy nice, and he gets creepier. And then as he starts t- 
talking in her ear, and she realized, I got to get away from this guy. And she tries several times. It's a, it's a pretty good little film because she sells it. You really fear for her. She's likable enough. She's cute enough. All the, all the things, the lady in distress. And yet she's competent and thinks herself out of these situa- a couple right. situations. Anyway, Eddie's got me going here. Uh, budget, $26 million, $95 million U.S. That's not, not bad. Not bad, for, and it's a little film. So my next one is, uh, I actually watched this last night for the first time, Passenger 57, 1992, directed by Kevin Hooks, Wesley Snipes, Bruce Payne, Tom Sizemore, Alex Datcher, and one of the first roles that Elizabeth Hurley had played. Yeah. Um, I didn't recognize her at first, actually, but uh, and Bruce Green as well. So <laughs> the funny thing is Wesley Snipes plays an airline security expert uh, who just happens to be afraid to fly, which I thought was pretty funny. And he must take action when he finds himself trapped on a passenger jet with terrorists that seize control of it. So I mean, it was really it was really good, a lot of action. It was, you know, uh, it was Wesley Snipes at his best, you know. He was doing a lot of kicking. Mm-hmm. He was beating people up, uh, <laughs> you know. And, and the first part of it is on the plane, and then... They get off the plane. He's chasing them through the um, affair. They're down south, so the, the sheriff, of course, originally arrests him when he first sees him, and you know he's giving him all this trouble. Um, but uh, it's 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 pretty action packed. I I liked that they got back on the plane. <laughs> they were on the plane for uh, the fav- my, my favorite uh, little line that I just broke out laughing is Wesley Snipes says to the bad guy, his name's Charlie. Charlie, ever play roulette? On occasion. Well, let me give you some advice. All of a sudden, the music gets louder. The camera starts zooming in. Always bet on black. (laughs) (laughs) See, always one or two lines from some movies is just going to stick with you. You're not going to forget that one for a while. It's been a long time since I saw that. came out when? 97 or 92? 92. 92, yeah. That was a long time ago, yeah. It actually was originally made. It was made for Sylvester Stallone. He, he turned it down, and one of the characters in, in the movie's name is Sly, so I guess that's a little, yeah, little, little call with that. Yeah. But, uh, the other funny part is there's a lady that comes up and sits next to him in the plane. There's some back and, back and forth with the flight attendant, and there's a whole story in that that's pretty neat. But this lady goes, I love you on TV. <laughs> Arsenio Hall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> And then I also read when I was looking at this stuff, Arsenio Hall was in a show once, and someone came up to him and said, I love you in Passenger 57. So they both get mistaken for each yeah. other, but that was fun. Now we're going to take this, I'm going to take this in a little different direction, show how this whole genre can be stretched. And there's a spoof we're going to talk about, a little bit about the spoof, but this is where you can take it, it's about the extreme, and it's called Snakes on a Plane, 2006. And this, of course, the only reason this works in its own craziness, some of the special effects, I mean, these snakes, I mean, they got every snake in the world on this thing, is Samuel L. Jackson. And he is an FBI agent, Nelville Flynn, and he's going from Hawaii to Los Angeles escorting a key witness to a trial. But an onboard assassin releases a crate of deadly serpents in an attempt to kill the witness, and Flynn and the host of frightened passengers and crew band together to try to survive the onslaught. 
So obviously, I mean, people get bitten. They, it's, it's all it's all over the map. It did okay. I mean, you think, man, you'd laugh this thing right out of the theater. I mean, if it weren't for Jackson, and that's probably the reason I would I saw it DVD. Right. Uh, the only reason I would have gone to see, well, if he's in it, I'm going. You know, we say this all the time. Well, we're going to check it out. But that was budgeted $36 million. They had to do a lot of CG with those snakes. I mean, they, they're biting people and crawling on people. Uh, $62 million. So they doubled, almost doubled the thing. That's pretty good. I'm yeah. sure that uh, Jackson put the F in, F in FBI. Uh, um, <laughs> normally his uh, colorful language yeah. is... Uh, Goes with him with every movie that he does. Well, the so. one thing he said in, in the recent interview that they did, on, or they re-ran it again on 60 Minutes that he did, and it was really great. They did the whole thing, and he's, he, you know how he is. He's just so jovial and so on. He loves it. And he, he gave this thing about, you know, a lot of people say, all these actors say they don't like to watch themselves on screen. What a bunch of hooey. I love myself on screen. They ask him why he takes some of these movies and how he can demand things and so on. He said, because... It determines the number of zeros yeah, exactly. on the check. And I get big zeros because I can put butts in seats. I, I can't remember the exact question, but the answer, um, I don't know where I saw it, but Samuel Jackson is like when you take the uh, residuals yep. from all the movies right. and he's in the Star Wars, all that stuff, and put it together, he is the highest. His movies have all together have grossed higher than any other person. Ever. Exactly. I mean, it's it's amazing. That's what he was laughing about. He said, you know, so I, because he brings people in. And he, right. I've seen him in stuff that I'm saying, why did you take this role? He got paid big money for it. Right. And so it's a, he, he can only bring this in for so long, you know, and he's riding a string. What else you got? Okay, I'm going to go. This is my last one. Okay. Yeah. And then we're going to, we'll spin it here a little quickly with this last commentary. This one happens to be uh, one of my favorite movies. You can tell it's it's a favorite one. I'm, I don't know if I ever said. I think last week I was joking on on the whole audio book book thing. I don't really have time to read books. I read now. Of course, this book movie is not based on a book, so the book was made off of the movie. Mm. But I read the book first. Okay, Air Force One, nineteen ninety seven, mm. directed by Wolfgang Peterson, Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, Glenn Close played the vice president. Um, Harrison Ford, the president, of course, uh, and in different surveys or different questionnaire things they have when they say who's your who's the your favorite president actor mm-hmm. actor who was played president uh, nine times out of ten he always ends up on top even though he's the only president in movie history <laughs> that was the president of the United States and never touched land in America during the movie he was in Russia and you know, yeah. everywhere else yeah. uh, so this is a about uh, the it's a thriller about the steadfast United States president who has just told the world he will not negotiate with terrorists. But now Russian neo-nationals have hijacked the Air Force One and the president is faced with a nearly impossible decision, give in to the ter- terrorist demands or sacrifice not only the country's dignity but the lives of his wife and daughter. Uh, love the play. And what we love this movie, favorite line is, get off my plane. Yeah, I love that. And Oldman is really, really despicable and yep. as a bad guy. He's a very good bad guy. That's why when he joked, we've seen him joke about, yeah, I finally got to play a good guy because right. he plays so many bad guys. Yeah, it, uh, I, I love the movie. I don't want to say too much about it because there's yeah. it, it, just so much action in it. Right. Um, there's a little bit of a hokey part <laughs> towards the end, special effect-wise, but I'm not, I can't say no. what it is because I do have a little bit of trivia. 
Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm sorry, everybody. The lead role was written for originally Kevin Costner. Oh my gosh, here he is again. I'm sorry. Uh, but he was committed to The Postman in 1997, which he made a bad decision. I sure did. <laughs> and uh, suggested Harrison in his place. If Harrison would have uh, turned it down, supposedly they were going to offer it to Keanu Reeves, which would not have worked back then. He would have been some mm, yeah. fresh for He wouldn't have been old enough, to yeah. probably. And then the other person couldn't even be president, Arnold Schwarzenegger, because there's certain yeah, reasons a, you can't. <laughs> it, w- it wouldn't have been believable, you know, uh, that that would just, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. A couple other quick things. Initially, the director, Wolfgang Peterson, was denied access to the real-life Air Force One. So, you know, Harrison, he had to get on the phone and talk to the White House, and quickly that changed, and they were on the Air Force One. <laughs> um, Harrison Ford actually went before the MPAA and appealed to have the movie rated as PG-13, but they refused. This attempt was inspired by a successful appeal he did for clear and present danger, 1994, it was going to be an R, and he pleaded, and they did it PG-13. Mm-hmm. This one was R. I'm trying to think, there's probably dirty words in it, bad words. Yeah, yeah, were. I mean, there was nothing. I got to think that's the only reason. Um, oh well, there was some killing. Violence, yeah, 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 violence. When one day while filming, two FA-18 fighters appeared and radioed in a surprised report that the plane had been asked. They had been asked to identify. And the plane was Air Force One, even though it wasn't. And that there were bullet holes on it. They had little decals of bullet holes. Oh. So these, the, the planes came. And air traffic control waved them off in, in Los Angeles because they knew about the film. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> that is it's crazy. Oh. And, and then you kind of touched on this earlier. This movie was kind of towards the end of the whole diehard-inspired action movies where terrorists invade a confined space, a vehicle or whatnot, and it's foiled by a lone hero, which Pastor 57, I mean, most of these movies all kind of fit, fit under that. So one reason was because every conceivable multi-passenger vehicle, planes, trains, city buses, and speed had already been tried. So that was an interesting tidbit. But Air Force One, you have to go see it. I mean, it is awesome. Yeah, it was a good film. It was a very good film. Glenn Close as vice president. Yep. I mean, she was awesome at that. So, And it was interesting um, when she took the part. There was some parts where, you know, she surprised president. She's seeing things on, on, on live TV, you know, with the, you know some different things that happened I can't talk about. But the, the strip set, script said she was to cry. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to be the president or vice president who's acting as the president. I may be a woman, but I am not going to be exactly. falling into that stereotype. So I thought that was pretty good. That's it. Exactly. That. Exactly. Well, I talked about snakes on the plane, but the ultimate send up of all these airplane disasters was and is airplane 1980. This is the creation by the Zucker brothers, the Zucker brothers, along with Jim Abrams, And it was a sensational comedic hit built on a variety of incidents and dialogue taken from the previous, many of the previous films, some of which we've talked about. Right. Provided, big thing is it provided several older actors an opportunity to spoof themselves and also to be in a movie again. And that includes Robert Stack. Oh, my gosh, he played way back in High and the Mighty with John Wayne. Wow. And Lloyd Bridges, of course, that's Jeff Bridges' father, who was later in his career. 
Leslie Nielsen, and Chuck Connors, and Peter Graves. It takes several shots at the slew of disaster movies that were released in the 70s. And of course, it has this plot again, and you're going to sound familiar. The passengers and crew of a jet are incapacitated due to food poisoning. A rogue pilot with a drinking problem must cooperate with his ex-girlfriend turned stewardess to bring the plane to safe landing. (laughs) Now, this thing is based on, there he is again, Arthur Haley. Arthur Haley's little book, Flight into Danger, and also the script from Zero Hour, the the Dana Andrews film back in 1957. Right. And that was also what he helped author. So we've seen Haley have his hand in this, this genre in a couple of ways, but it was a success. It was such a success. Guess what the budget was for that baby? 1980, huh? Yep. I'll say like uh, $75 million. 3.5. Really? And it took... 83 million took in 83 million i mean it was a big deal and i don't know how many people have seen it on tv and on dvd and every which way and they made a second one even though it it was okay but But this was because it was such outlandish everybody thought it was hilarious i i hadn't laughed and there's a lot of what they call comedy films and i don't find them all that funny this one, this one worked for me because I like some of that crazy send-off stuff. Kind of Mad Magazine. Is this like the one that. where there was a couple different nuns and they oh, kept yeah. like slapping some yeah. lady? Well, they got. <laughs> well, there's the one where he's telling his sad story and the woman, one person is throwing gasoline, going to kill themselves. <laughs> the other one hangs herself. I mean, you know, they got all this thing. <laughs> and, oh, that's right. And the doctor, he goes and he's slapping people. You know. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, it's well worth taking a look at because this isn't funny in today's terms, but they have the, if you remember, they have the uh, metal detectors. They didn't have the TSA yet, but they had these right. metal detectors. And this little old lady comes through and these guys, the guards take her aside and they're frisking her. Meanwhile, these looks like Arabs with machine guns and rocket launchers just, just go waltzing right through. Now, that was funny in 1980. Right. It's not so funny right now. But it was well done. So anyway, what's a clock on the wall telling us, Eddie? <laughs> well, Johnny, it looks like it's that time again. And before I turn it over to you, as always, we thank our listeners and, and thank you for subscribing to our show. Please tell your family and friends. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio. New episodes will drop every Monday. Visit Johnny's blog it's a little behind. It's a little behind. Yeah, my assignments. Uh, everything through eight. Watch it through. You can read it through eight. <laughs> <laughs> and this happens to be episode 18. Uh, so visit Johnny's blog on our website, we'retalkingmovies.com. There you'll find additional commentary, show notes, and references that were mentioned in the show. The easiest way to subscribe to our podcast is to visit our website. Again, we'retalkingmovies.com. Click on the subscribe now link, which is located at the top right of the page. Uh, From that page, you'll see a bunch of different platforms, specifically also Apple and iHeartRadio. You will not find Pandora on that. If you have a show idea or just want to say, look, boss, the plane, the plane. I don't know why I thought of that, but I was thinking, what was his name? Oh, um, even I can. I, I, Ricardo Maldivan, and I forget what the little guy's yeah, name was. Send a comment through our website, DM us on Instagram or tweet us at We Talking Movies. Also, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash We're Talking Movies. We would love it if you would like our page. 
that's it for me. Well, that's all for today, folks. So until next time, keep your eyes on the silver screen. And as we fade to black, this is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klig saying so long till we're talking again.